1: The following podcast contains explicit language.
0: Hey, Jalenta. Yeah, Kristen. It's been one week since we lived by zero waste home,
1: and you know what that means. It's time for another by the book mini-sode.
0: That's right. It's time for another Buy the Book epilogue. This week, we're looking at the aftermath of living by zero waste home, the ultimate guide to simplifying your life by reducing your waste by Bea Johnson.
1: We got hundreds of tweets, emails, and Facebook comments in response to this episode. Possibly the most responses in the history of By the Book. I love it. Yeah.
0: And the overwhelming majority of you had really great things to say about zero waste home. But, of course, some of you were not 100% on board with this book or how Jolenta and I lived with it. And we wanted to start today's episode talking about some of those folks and their responses.
1: Let's start off with a perspective on disabilities that we think is really, really important. Samaya wrote, A huge important part of the intersection of environmentalism and disability is remembering that for a lot of people with chronic pain or motor skill issues, some high-waste products are really important. For example, straws. Pre-cut fruits and vegetables and plastic packaging are also often crucial. Not everyone can regularly cut fruits, vegetables, and meat for meals. Not everyone has enough motor coordination to where straws would not be necessary. And for some people who are immunocompromised, plastic and disposable utensils are a must because they cannot risk contamination. Samaya, that is such an excellent point. And we also want to add the importance
0: of supplies in hospitals that would be considered not zero waste, like syringes, tubes, bandages, and all the other materials necessary to keep the health industry going. Thank goodness that they're disposable. You know what I don't want? A reusable catheter. Yeah, I don't want a reusable no. catheter. Don't no. want that.
1: No, I don't. And in the book, uh, Bea does talk about how they never compromise uh, their health for zero waste. They use pills that come in plastic bottles that they have to recycle and all that jazz.
0: Yeah. But thank you so much, Samaya, for bringing up that point. Very, very good point. Now, some other listeners felt the book glossed over the need for bigger institutional changes with the environment versus just pushing personal change on us. For example, Aaron said, My concern with books like Zero Waste Home is that it puts the responsibility of improving the environment on individuals, but real impact requires more systemic changes. I'm reminded of living in California during the drought and taking short showers, but my water usage couldn't compare to the water used by the agricultural industry.
1: On our Facebook community, Stephanie responded to Aaron's comment by saying... I definitely see your point, but I do think we have to start somewhere. I see apartment buildings that take up recycling for the first time because the residents pushed for it. Or universities working towards a composting goal because the students wanted it. This doesn't mean that we don't need large policy changes, but in Texas, there was a public outcry against the bag ban in Austin and Dallas. What policymaker is going to get reelected if their constituents don't want their eco-friendly policies?
0: Such a good point. And yes, absolutely. Jolenta and I 100% understand that this is a bigger structural conversation. Mm-hmm. It's about companies. It's about the government, which is one reason why I reached out to the company that I volunteered right. with, because it's not just about us as individuals. But doing those things as individuals made us feel a little bit less powerless, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It makes me feel like I'm not like a slave to the man. And the man loves plastic. So, like, (laughs) get in line.
0: That actually gets to a question that at least one person brought up, Joe Lenta, about whether or not this book qualified as self-help. Joe wrote... I did not love this zero-waste episode as much as I have loved other episodes of Buy the Book. All of the other books, whether I thought they were great or silly, were about what the reader could do for themselves to make their life better. So it is easy to take what I like and leave the rest and enjoy the whole thing. But because this one is about doing for the environment... I just felt guilty and stressed for not wanting to do this stuff. I'm already in therapy for my massive guilt and stress about the state of the world. For me, this wasn't self-help. It was, quote, do this thing we say is right. And it kind of felt like my options were to do the stuff in the book or be, quote, wrong. I don't think a program about self-care is the place for that. Ooh, that
1: in- That is interesting, because I totally, like, I relate to Joe so much. Like, it's the comment I most relate to. But I also, like, respectfully disagree a bit. Because for me, this book was all about dealing with my personal anxiety regarding the state of the world, how we treat the planet, how we're leaving it for others, how we treat others in general. And uh, this book talks about how... Taking steps towards zero waste improves your health and your happiness and your your enjoyment in life. And for me, I definitely did that. And so for me, that is self-help. It's just working from the outside in, working with tangible actions that later I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm so much happier."
0: Yeah, absolutely. I felt the same way. Um, sometimes when the world feels overwhelming and that we can't change anything. Just doing a couple of simple things a day makes me feel less hopeless.
1: Yeah. And like now my building has the communal compost bin that that we can all dump stuff in. And just knowing like I helped get that there and maybe I've encouraged one of my neighbors to start composting because they see the bin outside now makes me feel Less anxious. But you know, I totally get where Joe is coming from as the like, do this, this is right. And if you don't do it, it's wrong. Like, that's how I felt during Miracle Morning. You know, <laughs> I felt bad. like I was a true failure because, like, apparently getting up early is like the only right way to live, according to this book. And that brings me back to like whether or not this book is self help. I mean, for me, it totally is. This isn't just a waste reduction book, it's all about how. Waste reduction leads towards a happier existence.
0: Yeah. And Bea Johnson even says that in the introduction of the book. That's what this book is about. Simplifying your life and being happier and focusing on what matters. And it's not just supposed to be draconian rules. It's supposed to be about enjoying life. All right. Let's move on to a big topic here that several listeners wrote about, and that is the privilege of a zero-waste lifestyle. Ah, the P word. So many people wrote in about this, so let's start off with Miriam. Miriam wrote, I had mixed feelings about the zero-waste episode. I can't stop thinking you need a certain level of privilege to attempt such a thing. Going zero-waste requires time, energy, and resources. For those living in poverty, those working several shifts, those with physical limitations – Those living in food deserts and many more going zero waste. It's just not realistic.
1: And replying to Miriam on our Facebook community is Linda, who both agrees and disagrees. She says yes and no. Lower-income people often naturally make much less waste than more privileged people, particularly in rural areas. They don't buy as much stuff. They're often growing their own food, hunting for food, etc. They're not getting takeout all the time or buying coffee from Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts every day. They're cooking their own meals and making coffee at home. Some of the things mentioned in the podcast do require a certain amount of privilege. I totally agree. But there are also ways in which people with privilege are more a part of the problem to start with. Yes,
0: yes. I mean, both Linda and Miriam have great viewpoints here. Totally.
1: I totally love them.
0: Yeah, but I also, I'm going to put in my two cents here for just a second Mm -hmm. because Miriam was talking about people in rural areas not maybe having as much of an impact. I also want to point out that low-income people in urban areas also may have less of an environmental impact. And the main reasons why are people who live in urban areas who have lower incomes are more likely to take mass transit or to mm-hmm. walk. They're less likely to own a car. They are also far less likely to fly. And one thing that Zero Got Waste a huge Home ego for points, a brand, oh my gosh, it's huge. Bea points out in Zero Waste Home that she and her family, their biggest environmental impact comes from their flying at least once or twice a year to France to see her family. Just one round-trip flight between California and France generates about 40% of the greenhouse gases that the average American car emits in an entire year. And most
1: low-income people actually are not flying back and forth between the states and France. Yeah, no, probably not. Uh, on that note, we're going to fly into a break. Ooh. That has no emissions. <laughs> and when we come back, we're going to address some of the many questions that came in, including questions about our periods. Yeah!
0: Do you ever find yourself wading through your newsfeed on Facebook or Twitter, wishing you could just call someone up and ask, What do I really need to pay attention to here? Well, what if you could? I'm Mary Harris, the host of What Next, Slate's new daily news podcast. And every weekday morning, I'm going to be on call for you, taking you inside one story, going deep behind the headlines. What Next is news you're not going to get just scrolling through your phone. To listen, subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. All right, let's get to some of the many questions that came in. We obviously can't answer all of them. We've received True. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions from listeners. But let's start off with this one from Kathleen. Kathleen has a question for you, Jolenta. Yes. She wants to know, how do you clean the handkerchiefs? I love this idea, but I need more information. Do you wash them out by hand? These are those handkerchiefs, Jolenta, yeah. that you carry around with you all the time and blow uh, your nose in.
1: Yeah, I just toss them in my dirty clothes and wash them with the rest of my laundry.
0: Does that wash out all the snot and crust? Oh, totally.
1: Yeah. Really? I usually wash them when I do a load of towels or something, like, you know, something I, I don't care about a ton, but I'll wash them with anything, to be honest. I'm I'm not too worried about the snot. Maybe I'm disgusting, but I find hand washing them is much more gross, especially if you're sick. They're a little crusty. Oh, yeah. And then when you get them wet, the snot, like, becomes snot again, and you have to, like... Like, scoop it off. Like, it's disgusting. Anyway, I highly recommend tossing them in a washer or just doing them however you do your laundry. Uh, And let's, let's move on to a less graphic question, shall we?
0: All right. Moving on. Here is a question from Gemma. Gemma says... Jalenta and Kristen, at the beginning of your Zero Waste episode, you mentioned that the author urges you to try and eat vegetarian more often, but you did not actually discuss it any further. Curious, did you try it? Reducing your animal product intake is about the best thing you can do for the environment and so many products are easy to replace. There are many types of plant milks and substitute cow's milk. Veggie options are available at almost every restaurant and supermarket stock plenty of meat, fish, cheese replacements these days. It takes some effort to change your habits, but once you get used to it, it's easy. So, Jolenta. Uh-huh. I feel
1: that I feel like we're both sort of like mostly vegetarian. I think you're more vegetarian than I am, but I was raised vegetarian and my body can't handle a lot of uh, different meats. It just like freaks my system out and I feel horribly sick. So I eat meat once in a while. We rarely cook it at home. We do more vegetarian at home. And um, I hate milk and I hate milk substitutes. I don't, yeah. like, I don't like soy products because they mess with my hormones too much. I have some hormone issues. And um, so I feel like I'm sort of accidentally vegetarian because of how I was raised and how my body likes to process things. And yeah. I think you think more about the actual impact. Yeah. Um,
0: when I was a teenager, that was the main reason I gave up all red meat as a teenager. And then eventually I gave up all meat um, Entirely, partly for environmental reasons and partly for economic reasons. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a ton of money. It's when I was also, worried.
1: yeah, it's a lot easier to like get some beans and rice yes. and, ve- and veggies than you know, buy that steak.
0: Absolutely. But I do want to point out one thing here. I don't want to encourage anybody out there to think they should replace cow's milk with almond milk. Mm. Almond milk is probably the worst thing for the environment in California right now. It takes over oh, 20 right. gallons yeah. of water to grow each almond. And then almond milk requires twice as much water. California is a desert.
1: L.A. is not supposed to have
0: water. The water comes from elsewhere. So I just, I want people to be mindful. When you're making your meat substitutions, um, not all of them are good for the environment. Some of them are great for the environment. You know, giving up beef is great for the environment. But a lot of the
1: substitutions are, like, highly processed. There's a lot of energy that goes into making, you know, veggie burgers and things. So just sort of keep an eye on what your replacements are and make sure, you know. Yeah. The less processing and the less almonds from California, the better, says Kristen.
0: Absolutely. Um, Now, several listeners wanted to know, Jolenta, more about how we handle our periods. We mentioned that you use a period cup, Mm -hmm. I use period underpants, but they wanted to know if we'd also tried reusable pads or even the IUD, which can cut down on... One's periods, right? Um, they just wanted to know more yeah. about how we handle our periods.
1: Uh, I have an IUD. I have a, a hormonal one because, again, my hormones are crazy. Uh, and because my hormones are crazy, apparently, my doctor says I have super strong hormones. Oh, good. Um, they good job. just insist I get a period sometimes, even though I have an IUD that's supposed to not give me one.
0: So, most people with an IUD. They mostly, mostly don't. Have a period don't. At all. Yeah,
1: it mostly just sort of knocks it out, especially if you have the hormonal one because that also changes your hormones. But um, I still get one once in a while. It's not it's not as heavy as it used to be, uh, and I use a cup uh, because I love the feeling of it. Because my period's so erratic, sometimes I'll be like, oh, my period. And then I'll wear a tampon and be like, oh, my God, it's so dry and itchy and uncomfortable. This is the worst. Mm. Um, And I just the feeling of the period cup, it's made out of things that feel more like your body. So I notice it way less. And you can just sort of set it and forget it. You don't have to change it all day long. It's just I feel much more comfortable with it. It takes a lot of getting used to. It took me months to get used to. I'll be honest. I had to like trim the stem a bunch of times because mm. they make the stems long, so you can you sort want of to adjust it. into you when you move in a And like, way. Yeah. I got really scared the first few times I got it to work. It was still really scary because it like really sucks to your cervix. And some, and I was like, is it gonna suction so hard it pulls my IUD out? I oh, literally called whoa. my doctor to ask her that. It won't. She says, do you have any idea how tight your cervix is? Like. No, it won't. You're crazy. She didn't say I was crazy, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, like it takes getting used to. But now that I'm used to it, I I could never go back. I've got I've used tampons since, and it's like torture. It feels like I'm like shoving sandpaper up there now. Wow. But what about you?
0: I do Have occasionally use paths? tampons from time to time. Um, but when I do use tampons, I've had a rule again since I was in high school for bleeding heart, tree-hugging reasons Mm -hmm. um, not to ever use tampons that have applicators. Oh, yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah, so even when we had the wonderful sponsor, Lola, Lola Tampons. They make applicator free. Yes. And And organic, which is important, because you don't want like bleached cotton up there. Exactly. And that was really important to me before we even accepted them as a sponsor, just to make sure they had options that were environmentally friendly. So it's not that I 100% of the time use just period underpants. Mm -hmm. Once in a while, I'll also use a tampon. But I'm very careful about my tampon choices. Nice. Yeah.
1: Oh, I have to know the answer to this question, Kristen. Tons of listeners also wrote in to say, "Kristen, how are your coworkers responding to you calling out their overuse of bags on the show?" All right. So, so far Uh since
0: the episode came out, I've been out of town. Oh, I was at a conference. You were hiding. I was at a conference in DC, and. In DC, my coworkers very proudly say, We don't accept bags anywhere because there's a bag tax in DC and none of us want to pay to have a bag here. So, mm-hmm. nan, nanny, boo, boo. But those are my DC colleagues. So, right. I'm going to put Cameron on the spot. Cameron! Uh, Cameron, come on over here, buddy. Come on, Come down. on over here. You're in the New York office with me. I am. Have you heard any rumblings or whispers?
1: I haven't heard any rumblings. Or Whispers. However, I will say that while I am not maybe the biggest offender of this, I definitely do it sometimes. So I'm sure I was kind of included in the people. Who, yes, you were. Um, were and you, you in sit this near enough to Kristen where I'm sure she noticed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, again, I'm not the worst offender, I will say, but it happens from time to time. And I will say that since this episode, has aired, I've been really good about not bringing bags up. And the tricky thing about the cafe downstairs is that you have to be really quick on the draw. Yes. Because They're they like just like you machine. a bag really yeah. fast. So I've sort of developed my reflexes a little better to just be like, I don't need a bag. And mm-hmm. I have uh, gotten a lot better at doing that. Yay! So. Yay! Hey, Yay! one person down, <laughs> yeah. probably a few more
0: to go. Cam, that makes me really happy. Yeah. Makes me really happy. I hope that I didn't make you um, hate me or feel like I'm just a horrible bitch. But no, I, I, it, it makes me feel good that you
1: are. We all have our things we we can't help but get preachy about. So yeah. you know, at least yours is good for the earth. <laughs>
0: all right, we'll be back in just a moment with some amazing tips that listeners have for each other and for us. And of course, we'll announce our next book. But first, a quick break.
1: Okay, doke. Before we tell you guys next week's book, we are going to share a whole bunch of fantastic tips our listeners gave us to continue our zero waste efforts. Brian says, hey, guys, I want to caution against throwing your hair out the window and low key making Jolanta cry. (laughs) Thank you, Brian. It's fucking gross. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) Brian continues to say, I'd like to point out that Getting tangled up in long human hair is one of the major ways that city pigeons end up with fucked up feet and missing toes.
0: Oh god, and then he sent us a picture.
1: Oh I Brian. Brian I know. Brian. I've actually always wonder why their little feet are so sad. Well you think it's completely because of my hair? I mean, is, I mean, you do shed a lot. I, I'm, I shed I'm constantly. not going to fully blame you, but I am very happy Brian wrote this because I don't like the idea of hairballs falling out of windows onto me, and I don't like pigeons with missing toes. So I would uh, just put that in the compost and make sure it gets all mixed up into the earth instead of mixed up in a pidgey toe. Or
0: you can do more research like I did on different... Bird and conservation sites, and find out you can still throw your hair out the window if you cut it up very, very small. Oh my gosh,
1: you'll very, do anything to throw that hair small. out. Just make it look more like pubes, then yes, throw it out the window on Jalanta's exactly, head. Exactly, exactly. Thanks for getting really graphic in this episode.
0: <laughs> Let's move on to this tip from Kyle. Kyle says the only junk mail stopping service that needs a social security number is the kind that stops unsolicited offers of credit, credit cards, loans, etc. The reason they need your social security number is to verify who to stop giving credit offers to. The credit agencies already have your social security number. They couldn't perform their function without it. So it's not like you're giving them information they don't already know. So.
1: Thank that you, Kyle. Is, yeah. I love that. Now yeah. I feel way less creeped out by those websites. Yeah, so that's in
0: response to those websites that Bea Johnson told us to use to get off of those mailing lists. Mm-hmm. So we get less
1: junk mail. All right, in the Bea, mailbox. we trust you more now because of <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. Ashley says another good idea for reducing waste, especially when decluttering, is by joining a local buy nothing group on Facebook. That's B-U-Y. I have gotten rid of so much stuff that way and have gotten stuff I've needed from other people instead of having to buy that stuff new. I love that. I've never I heard of those stuff. things, but, oh, I know that's your bread and butter, so <laughs> watch I out. I am all about free Brooklyn stuff. Brooklyn buy
0: nothing yes. groups.
1: Kristen's going to go to coming. town.
0: All right. We also got tons of letters from parents, parents like Cecily, who had this to say. We use washable nappies, that is diapers for those people in the U.S., and wipes for our daughter. And yes, it is a little extra work, but we are lucky enough to live in an era where many of us have machines that do the soaking and scrubbing and wringing out of our nappies for us. And with the extra laundry that comes with a baby, adding a few nappies and wipes really isn't so much to ask. Also... We actually used elimination communication with our what? daughter. Whoa, Cecily. Uh, holy crow. We don't whistle or wink at each other, but we have held her on a potty or the loo since birth when we are changing her nappy or when we think she needs to go. Most parents can recognize their baby's poo face. This is just a way of responding to it. We're a pretty normal London family with busy lives. All we really needed to do was spend a couple of hours reading and join a supportive Facebook group and have a little bit of confidence.
1: Wow. Cecily. That is bomb. And I want to see your baby's poo face. Send <laughs> us your baby's poo face pictures. It's the new animal in clothes. Oh, yes. Yes. Also, we want to give a
0: huge thank to our listener, Amanda. She started a Google Doc on our Facebook community page. If you're on our Facebook community page, just look up the words Google Doc in quotes, and you'll find a long list of tips that she compiled from all of the listeners. She just Grabbed them all, listed them in one place. It's a really great, really great list of tips. Um, So thank you, Amanda, for doing that.
1: And a huge thank you to everyone who wrote in this week. The responses were touching and clever and thoughtful. And we hope that everyone listening will join our "Buy the Book community Facebook page where we can continue the conversation and look at baby poo faces.
0: Yay. All right, Jolenta. It's that time now. <gasps> Yay! Magic time. The time when we introduce next week's book. Our next book is... do not bum Presence, Bringing Your Boldest Self to Your Biggest Challenges by Amy Cuddy.
1: Will Kristen and I become even bolder than we already are? Is that even possible? What is presence? Is it like a present? Oh my God. Presence? Presence? Wait, don't talk about presents because that will lead us to gifts and we cannot get into the gift discussion from Five Long Languages ever again. Not doing it. But we will be discussing presents next week. So listen in. Reminder, you can always reach us at
0: 505-510-BOOK or write to us at buythebook at panoply.fm.
1: Thanks, as always, to our producer and uh, more conscious bag user, Cameron Drews. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jalenta Greenberg.
0: Bye-bye. Later. What does presence even mean? Is it like a present? Oh, I love presents. No, I don't. Gifts are stupid.
1: What? Oh no, you're gonna anger. Oh! Us. Oh wait, we <laughs> should. We can never talk about presents again. <laughs>
0: oh, no, I shouldn't have done that. Wait,
1: that was amazing. I want to keep that forever. <laughs> Do you? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh,
0: God, everyone's gonna be so mad at me again.
1: Every Stearns and Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. Now save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at sternsandfoster.com. Lesser savings may apply.